0: This is the Old Radio Show's podcast. Hello there, this is Gain Whitman. I'd like to tell you a little something about what I think is a great radio program, Adventures by Morse. At least I think it's great, and I do know something about it, for I was there. You'll probably recognize me as the narrator or announcer in one or two of the scenes you'll hear later on. First of all, I want to say that these adventures are mystery stories. And I scarcely need remind you that radio mysteries, detective, and high adventure stories have done and are doing a great job in building audiences, holding them, and selling merchandise by the carload. Take, for example, the outstanding success of such programs as Suspense, The Whistler, Gangbusters, and This is Your FBI, to mention only a few. In Adventures by Morse, you have all three, mystery, detective thrills, and high adventure. Now, in this type of program particularly, it's the writing that counts. It's the thing. And that's where I want to boast a little bit. You'll undoubtedly recognize the name of the writer, Morse. Carlton E. Morse, author and creator of radio's famous One Man's Family. But I'll let you in on a secret. My friend Carlton has a split personality. For 18 years, he's been warming the hearts of America with his real-life family series. But his true love is mystery, murder, and mayhem. His Isle of a Mystery serial, sponsored for years on what was then a minor Pacific Coast network, zoomed Hooper ratings of unpopular time slots from a 3.0 to over 12. He's an acknowledged master of suspense, excitement, and faultless plotting, believe me. And now here's a surprise for you. In addition to all I've told you about adventures... Carlton has added a special gimmick, a hook, to bring back your listeners week after week. Adventures by Morse is in serial form and consists of eight complete mystery stories spread out over 52 weeks, but carefully designed to fit into the 13-week cycles which has become standard in radio. Why do you suppose the Saturday Evening Post, for example, always carries at least two fiction serials at the same time? Of course, you know why to keep readers buying the magazine week after week, year in and year out. Well, that's precisely why these adventures are serialized, to bring back your listeners from one week to the next. However, a brief synopsis precedes each episode so that a new listener at any time can tune in and enjoy the entire story. Well, I guess I've talked about long enough. I've chatted with you about the advantages of radio mystery drama, the importance of the writing who the writer is, the serialized hook to hold listeners, and the production. No, I haven't mentioned production. I'll make this short. Adventures was produced by Carlton Morse himself in Hollywood, the radio talent center of the world, and I can honestly assure you that nothing was spared in cost or effort to make this the outstanding mystery drama in radio. Let's take a listen now to a few excerpts from one of the episodes in the first story in the series called City of the Dead. Here's its chilling opening. Adventures by Morse. E. <laughs> Morse presents... The City of the Dead, featuring Captain Friday.
1: If you like high adventure, come with me. If you like the stealth of intrigue, come with me. If you like blood and thunder...
0: Come with me. That was Captain Friday, you heard. The hero of the series, inviting you to come along with him in adventure, mystery, and excitement. Captain Friday, reckless man of courage head of his own detective agency, and arch foe of the criminal. It's Captain Friday who leads us through the intriguing maze of conspiracy, plot, and counterplot of these adventures. It's Captain Friday who eventually solves the mysteries, traps the criminals, and sees to it that justice is done. Now, in this type of show, you don't have time to hear an entire story. But we'd like for you to hear just how good and exciting it can be. So we're going to give you the opening summary of Episode 5 of City of the Dead and a bit of the dialogue. Here's how it goes. Eight o'clock on the third night in the City of the Dead. In the afternoon of the second day in the old abandoned cemetery, Captain Friday had locked Jimmy Parker and Phyllis Carroll together and had taken his father, the mayor, and old Dr. Tuner to Lemmy Think's cabin on the edge of the cemetery. They had found three bodies in the cellar. One was the strangled body found in old Ernie Morton's grave. The second was the body of the man whom the claw-footed phantom had killed at the back of the mayor's cottage. The third was Lammy Fink. According to Captain Friday, he'd been scared to death.
1: That's right. And while we were in the cellar examining the bodies, the cabin mysteriously burst into flames, and we barely escaped with our lives. The bodies were completely consumed. After this experience, the old mayor, my father, complained of being tired and returned to his cottage inside the gates of the City of the Dead. Dr. Tuner and I went down to the deserted ruins of a church to look for the phantom church bell. In the musty rectory where the bell ringer had hanged himself ten years before, we found old Clawfoot amusing himself with a human skeleton. But the queer creature with flowing beard and flowing robes got away from us. Returning to the caretaker's cottage, we found my dad upset and Phyllis Carroll with a stab wound in her back just under the shoulder blade. Jimmy Parker had been locked in the room with the girl at the time, but he denied the deed. Then Phyllis regained consciousness and sobbed out, Oh, Jimmy, why did you stab me? That was at two in the afternoon. Now at eight in the evening, Dr. Tuner is with his patient.
2: Dr. Tuner... Am I going to die?
1: <laughs> I reckon you aren't even going to be very
3: sick, Miss Carroll. Just lost your mind of blood, and the wound won't even leave a scar. You feel much better after a little sleep, don't you?
2: Oh, I've been asleep. Well, sure you
3: have. Here, let me fix that pillow.
2: Now,
3: lie on your left side just a little. That least that sick shoulder of yours. Look mighty pretty in that outfit, Miss Carroll. With the firelight playing on you.
2: Oh, I must look terrible. I've been crying so much, but.
3: Not a bit I... of it. You look like a young girl should look.
2: Oh, Dr. Tooner, What would make Jimmy do a thing like that?
3: Now, now, you'd better let Captain Friday figure that out. That's his business. By the way, he wants to bring Parker in here as soon as you feel like it.
2: Oh, no, please. I I can't face Jimmy after...
3: After well, he... I reckon that'll be necessary, Miss Carroll.
2: Do I have to see him?
3: Can't be helped, I'm afraid.
2: Well, all right, then.
3: Good. We'll have him in now and get it over with. Captain Friday and his father have parking in his room giving him a going over. Huh? I'll just call him. Hi there, Captain.
1: That you, Doctor?
3: Miss Carroll's ready to see you next door. Good. Come on out, fella. Come on, Mayor.
1: I'd rather not see Phyllis tonight. You no, know, what you want hasn't got anything to do with it. Go on in there and sit down. Okay. Have it your way, then. No. I want you facing the girl. Sit in that straight
3: chair. Yeah, if I'd have known he's going to be all this rumpus, I'd have said take him to the city
1: and lock him up from the first. Never mind, Mayor. We'll get things straightened out for you in the city of the dead. I know the reason why. Aren't you ashamed of yourself, Parker? No, I'm not. I suppose you only regret that you didn't kill Miss Carroll outright, huh? Oh, Jimmy. You look
0: here. I didn't stab Phyllis. How many times do I have to tell you? From then on, the mystery grows by leaps and bounds as the girl, Phyllis Carroll, accuses her fiancé Jim Parker, of stabbing her in the back. A reconciliation follows when Captain Friday determines that the knife was hurled at her through an open window by an unidentified person. He is also pretty sure there is a mysterious evil force at work in this city of the dead, and thinks that it may be a phantom-like monster they have nicknamed Clawfoot, some inhuman sort of a thing which wails like a banshee and has claws on its feet. In this episode also, Phyllis reveals the reason for their, well, that is, her and Jim's visit to the cemetery. Her grandfather, believed dead, had instructed his agents to present to her on her 20th birthday, which was just a few days ago, a half-million-dollar fortune in black pearls. The only catch was they were buried in one of the graves. It becomes quite obvious that some other folks have stumbled out of this secret, too. And they aren't at all shy about murder and other little gems of crime. Let's pick up the end of this tingling episode where Captain Friday and his friend Doc Tuner and Phyllis are alone in the caretaker's house. And the two men hear a cry that stiffens them with horror.
2: Oh, no! oh,
0: Miss Carroll, what is it? What's the matter?
2: Oh, look! Look there by the door!
1: Well, I'll be a son of a gun. No. Look, Doc, a
2: visitor. A skeleton. Oh. Captain, what's that thing doing here? Where did it come from, Miss oh, Carol? I take it away! No, I it away! Now, now, Miss Carol, I don't
3: reckon a skeleton can hurt you much. Supposing you tell us how it got there so we can do something about it.
2: Well, the door just suddenly opened and the skeleton walked in and collapsed on the floor. And then the door was pulled closed.
3: Oh, dang, I have a skeleton to do that, if you ask me. Hey, Doc, come here and look at this. What in the name of Sam Hill are you doing to it, Captain? Oh, look,
1: the bones are joined together with pieces of wire.
3: Now, what sort of monkey business is this?
1: Here, look, a message tied about its neck.
3: Message? What does it say?
1: It says, I have come to you out of the grave marked Theodore Beverly, but I do not belong in his grave. I am not his skeleton. Theodore Beverly?
3: Why, that's Miss Carroll's grandfather!
2: My grandfather!
3: Grab her, Doc. She's fainted.
0: Well, that's a rather sketchy condensation of the fifth episode in The City of the Dead. But it certainly does give you an idea of the hard-hitting impact, the punch that is written into adventures by Morse. Believe me, this is a radio technique that will grab off and hold a king-size listening audience. And after all, that's what you want, isn't it? You know, when I get to talking about Carlton Morse as a writer, well, I can't help but get enthusiastic. But to show you further what I mean, here's another excerpt from The City of the Dead. This is the spine-tingling conclusion to Episode 6. Phyllis Carroll and Doc Tuner are alone in the cemetery cottage at night when they hear the hideous wail of the claw-footed thing right on their front porch. Listen.
2: If that thing outside the door would only go away, I, I wouldn't feel this way, but... Dr. Tooner. Dr. Tooner, look. Look at the front door. It's opening.
3: God's sakes, I forgot to lock it.
2: Oh, hurry. Hurry. Lean against it. Oh, hold it shut. Don't let him get it open. I've got it.
3: And if I can push it shut, I... Who's out there?
2: Oh, oh, can't you hold it? Can't you hold it?
3: I'm trying my dang
2: Whoever's on the other side of that door is as strong as an ox. Uh. It's the claw-footed phantom. You mustn't let him get in. You mustn't. You mustn't. I can't get any hold with my feet. He's in on me. I'm slipping. I'm slipping. Dr. Turner, the fireplace poker's on the rack. Can you reach sure, it? Sure,
3: it'll give me something to fight with.
2: Oh, can you reach him? Yeah. Yeah, I got it.
3: I'm going to let go of the door and crack him over the head with the poker when he comes in.
2: Oh, be careful. Uh. Oh! Look out, Doctor Turner! Look out! He's got a knife. Well, if he comes within range of this poker,
0: We've had sponsors tell us they bought the show after hearing the first episode, just to find out for themselves how the darn thing turned out. However, I don't think they were serious. But we are serious when we tell you that in Adventures by Morse, we are offering you four priceless ingredients in radio. A mystery show of the type proved over and over again to be highly successful. Writing by Carlton E. Morse, the finest cast and production, and, above all, a hook to keep your listeners coming back week after week to get a thrill out of the show and to hear your sales messages. Thank you very much. And we hope we'll have the opportunity of proving to you what we have to many others. Adventures by Morse is a great radio show.
4: Adventures by Morse. Carlton E. Morse presents The City of the Dead, featuring Captain Friday.
1: If you like high adventure, come with me. If you like the stealth of intrigue, come
4: with me. If you like blood and thunder, come with me. But first, listen to a word from our sponsor. The City of the Dead. There are 10,000 citizens in the City of the Dead, each with a white marble slab indicating each residence. The gates of the City of the Dead have long been closed to newcomers. It is a city whose population has remained unchanged for the last 10 years. And the mayor of this city is Joshua Friday. Some call him caretaker of the old cemetery in the valley. But anyone who knows Joshua Friday at all calls him mayor. He is the only living person in the City of the Dead. That is, unless you care to include Lammy Fink, a slow-witted fellow who does kitchen police duty and a little gardening in the city during the day and retires beyond its precincts at night. The City of the Dead lies in a tiny valley 25 miles from the suburb of a great city. It is off the main highway and completely isolated from the world. But now it's nine o'clock on a moonlit, windy night in October. Come on, come on, get out of that car. You heard me. What What do you want? You
5: want me to plug you?
6: Oh, Jimmy, do what he says. You
5: too, girl. Get out.
6: You let go of me. You let
5: that girl alone. And get out of the car. Both of you. Yeah. Now start walking. No. The other way.
6: But that's toward the graveyard.
5: You heard me. And don't look back or they'll pick up your bodies in the morgue wagon in the morning. Now get moving.
6: Jimmy, what's happening to us?
7: Keep walking. Don't look around.
6: They've stolen your machine.
7: I know it, Phyllis. I couldn't tackle two armed men.
6: Well, of course you
7: couldn't. Shouldn't have parked way out here in the country.
6: But it was nice. It was so still in the moonlight. Who do you suppose they were?
7: Probably car thieves. They didn't touch us.
6: Jimmy. Listen.
7: Church bell.
6: Oh, there aren't any churches around here.
7: Oh, sure there is. Little old church down at the other end of the valley. Well, oh, but that's all falling to pieces. It hasn't been used
6: for years.
7: That's right. Funny, isn't it?
6: Jimmy, I'm scared. Do we have to go on?
7: Oh, look, Phyllis. There's a light ahead of us. You know what it is?
6: No. Oh, Jimmy, what's that? Quick, get off
7: the road, behind those bushes.
6: Get down. Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy, what was that? What was. Shh. shh. Oh, oh! I wish we were home. Don't
7: talk so loud, fellas. That fellow acted as though he were being chased. Chased. Listen. You don't hear anything, do you? No. I mean, come on. Keep on the grass.
6: Oh, where are we going?
7: You saw that light. I just remember that the caretaker of the City of the Dead lives around here somewhere. That must be his place.
6: Why? Oh, I don't like that name.
7: What? City of the Dead?
6: Yes graveyard's bad enough.
7: Well, anyway, we'll get him to let us use his phone call the police and have a car sent out for us. Oh, there, you can see the outline of the house among the trees. See it?
6: Uh-huh. Looks awfully lonesome, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Look, what are those?
7: We're inside the city of the dead. Those are the tombstones glistening in the moonlight.
6: I don't like it, Jimmy. Oh, here's the door. Oh, Jimmy, don't leave me.
7: I'm right here in the shadow.
6: He doesn't answer.
7: It's funny. What do you want? Oh, no. Hey. Hey, where did you come from? What do you want? Uh, are you the caretaker? Supposing I am. Oh, what made you sneak up on us from behind? I bet you making that crazy noise. What noise? Oh, you mean the man crying?
5: Oh, so it was you. Oh, no.
7: No, it wasn't. He passed us down the road. He was scared. What are you doing here? Why, well, my car was stolen from us. Oh, stolen? Hi, Doc. Open the door. Yes, two men held us up. We want to phone to the city for help. Do you hear, Doc?
8: They're coming,
7: Mayor.
8: Oh, here you are. Well, what have
5: you there, Mayor? Go on in, you two. Yes, sir. Lock up again, will you, Doc? Sure.
8: Were they the ones picking up to
5: Rumpus? Hmm. tell a queer story. Here, you two, sit down. Said the car was stolen, Doc. Who stole it?
7: Or I don't know, just... Two gunmen.
8: Yeah. Here, Mayor, you better let me do the questioning. We'll get further. Go ahead. Uh, What's your name, son? James Parker, sir, and this is Miss Phyllis Carroll. How do you do, Miss Carroll? Now, Mr. Parker, as I understand, you and Miss Carroll were out riding this evening.
6: Uh Uh-huh. We were parked down the road near your house.
8: Parked? What for? (laughs) No, no, Mayor.
5: Well, it looks suspicious to me, Doc. With all these other goings on.
8: No, you just don't understand modern young folk, Mayor. You'd better let me do the talking. Now then, you were parked on the edge of the road, I take it? Yes, sir. And then what happened?
7: Well, two men suddenly appeared. One on each side of the car and told us to put up our hands and get out of the car.
8: They were armed, you say? Yeah,
7: both of them. When we got out, they told us to keep walking in the direction of the graveyard. What, that?
8: Oh, son, don't ever say that word again in front of the Mayor Friday. This is the city of the dead.
7: Oh, yes, sir.
8: Sorry. Yeah, yeah, go on.
7: Well, just as we saw the light in the caretakers... It's mayor, son. Mayor. Yes, sir. Just as we saw the light in the mayor's house, we heard someone coming down the road as hard as he could run. He was scared.
8: Hysterical, huh?
7: Yes, sir, he was. Crying and sobbing.
6: Oh, Jimmy, you forgot about the bell. Bell? Yes, the church bell. It seemed to come from down at the other end of the cre- uh, the city of the dead.
7: I guess it was from the old church down there. Mm, you
5: hear that, mayor? There ain't been no bell in them ruins for ten years, Doc.
6: No bell?
8: But we heard it. But I tell you that... Never other... mind, mayor. Now then, son, what happened after that?
7: Well, after the man ran by, we waited a few moments and we came to the door and knocked. That's all.
8: Oh, I see. Uh, What do you make of it, Mayor? Don't like it.
7: Think they're lying. But we're not. Listen, let me call up the police. Police? The police. Listen,
5: I'm Mayor of the City of the Dead and what I say goes. Yes, sir. And I ain't never had any police in this city and I ain't never gonna have.
8: And besides, there isn't any telephone here. But I saw telephone wire. Son, you heard me say there was no telephone here. Well,
7: but... But I've got to let my mother know. I'm sorry,
8: Miss Carroll. It seems to be fate. But what are we going to do? No one ever comes by this way. Well, Mayor Friday will put you up for the night, I think. He has a couple of extra rooms, eh, Mayor?
6: Eh?
7: Oh, sure, sure.
6: Oh, but I've got to get home tonight.
8: Now, now, Miss Carroll, you better just take it all as an adventure and make the best of it. Isn't that right, son?
7: I... Yeah, I guess so. Maybe if we started to walk back,
8: we could pick up a ride when we hit the main highway. No, no, no. We couldn't think of letting you do that. You simply must accept Mayor Friday's hospitality. Now, I'll tell you what. While the mayor is fixing up your rooms, I'll brew us a cup of coffee.
6: But I don't want any coffee.
8: tut, tut. Of course you do. Yeah, there's still a fire in the kitchen stove. And the kettle's almost to a boil. We'll have coffee in a jiffy.
6: But I want to go home.
7: Don't say any more,
8: fellas.
6: Jimmy, what does it mean?
7: I don't know. Something's up. I don't get it, but we better play up to him. Pretend like you thought nothing was a matter. Well, are. Are we prisoners? Oh, looks like it. Now, don't worry, though. I can take on these two old duffers if I have to.
6: Well, but who is this. this doc person? Oh, shh. Here he
8: comes. Now then, coffee's all ready. Yeah. Yeah, there you are, Miss Carroll. Thank you. Right. and there you are, Mr. Parker. Oh, thank you, sir. here's some buns. They're better if they're hot, but they'll do for this sort of a night.
6: No, thank you. I'll just have coffee. Sir, I thought that Mr.
7: Mayor Friday lived here alone.
8: <laughs> you wonder who I am, eh? Well, I'm what your city doctors would call an old codger, I'm afraid. Just an old country doctor. Doc Tuner is what they call me.
7: But I wouldn't think they'd need a... A physician in the City of the Dead.
8: Oh, no, no. The City of the Dead isn't my seat of practice. That is, I should say, it wasn't my seat of practice. You see, son, I'm retired now. All my patients are dead. Dead? All of them? Well, it's this way, young folks. I was a family doctor and had my little practice... and was like a member of each family that I doctored. I knew all the little troubles and every pain of each of my patients. Never seemed to hanker to add new patients to my clientele, especially as I grew older... Uh, More coffee, Miss Carroll?
6: It does taste good.
8: Well, as time went on, I found myself laying more and more of my patients to rest in the City of the Dead. But there hasn't been anyone buried in the City of the Dead for the last ten years. Well, this was years ago, son. Well, finally, about ten years ago, I discovered that all the families I had doctored were either dead or had moved away. As I hadn't added any new patients, I was a doctor without a practice.
6: But couldn't you have got more?
8: Oh, suppose I could, but I never made a practice of it, so I didn't hanker to begin trying at my age. I was getting well along, and besides, I had enough to live on. I see. <laughs> Which means that you don't see it at all. Well, son, as I said, I lost the last of my patients about the time they closed the City of the Dead as a burying place and opened up a newfangled cemetery over on the other side of the city. My last patient just slipped in under the bars, you might say. Last person to be buried here.
6: All your your patients are buried in this great uh, City of the Dead?
8: Every one of them. So you can see the City of the Dead has a very soft place in my heart. I often come down here and stay a spell with the mayor. It's kind of like being with old friends. Going down there among those little white headstones brings back all the old days to me. And you just
7: happen to be here on a visit
8: tonight? Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, here comes the mayor.
7: Well, your room's just ready.
8: Yeah, that's good. I suppose, Miss Carroll, you'd better take the first room. Mr. Parker, you take the one right next to it. Is that right, Mayor?
7: Don't make no difference.
8: Yeah, good night. I hope you both sleep well. I'll call you for breakfast. Uh, Good night, Dr. Tuner. And you too, Mr... Uh, Mayor Friday. Good night, son. And you, Miss Carroll.
6: Yes, good night.
8: Night, Phil. Remember, I'm right next door. Night, Jim. And now you, son. Yeah,
7: Hi. Hi out there. Hey, what do you mean by locking the door? Oh, Phyllis! Phyllis! Jimmy, is that you? Yes, Phyllis, they've locked me in, and the window's barred.
4: (coughs) Out of the night come two youngsters. Into the web of intrigue woven by two strange old characters they fall. Prisoners of Doc Tuner and Mayor Friday. Just who are. But before we go into that, a word from our sponsor. <laughs> Having locked Jimmy Parker and Phyllis Carroll in adjoining bedrooms in the caretaker's cottage, old Doc Tuner and Mayor Friday are out among the gravestones investigating.
8: Well, look here, Mayor. We won't be able to find anything down here among the graves this time of night.
5: Yeah, moon's good. Anyway, way I know ever sticking stone in the city of the dead. I'll know if anybody's been prowling around. But morning will do
8: just as well. No,
5: it won't. I'm going to look, and if I catch anybody prowling around, well, I got my gun.
8: But if the men got away, as those youngsters said... Supposing
5: they ain't telling the truth. All that nonsense about hearing a church bell.
8: Well, the girl was telling the truth, Mayor. I know the truth when I hear it. Dang
5: funny. Ain't no church bells within 20 miles of here.
8: I tell you, Doc, I'm just going
5: to raise old Ned if I catch anybody bothering any of my citizens. They come to the city of the dead to
8: rest, and I'm going to see that they get it. No, of course, Mayor, but what gets me is why anyone should want to rob a ten-year-old grave and let... By Jove, Mayor. Huh? Well, never mind now. This is going to take some thinking over. I'll tell you when we get back to the house. Look, look yonder at the whisper of fog among the stones.
5: Yeah, yeah, them's the first bits of fog sweeping down the valley. Another couple hours and the whole city will be so thick you can cut yourself a hunk. Mm
8: -hmm. Strange how I love this old place. Those wisps of fog remind me of rays, nice friendly phantoms.
5: Mm -hmm. Reckon you have the same feel about this place as me. Listen.
8: Mm -hmm. There, there's your church bell.
5: But there ain't any bell, I tell you. I seen them take it out of the tower ten years back when they quit using it.
8: Yeah, maybe your ears are deceiving you, but personally I hear church bells. Sure. He's a fella that creeps, don't it? Yeah, it seems to me there are altogether too many mysterious things happening in the city of the dead, if you can get what I mean. I don't. Well, for a city of quiet, decent folk that are supposed to be at their last resting place, there's a beastly lot of nocturnal activity. Hmm. Listen. They all stopped. Say, I got a thought, Mayor. Yeah? Why don't you put old Lammy Fink to keep a lookout at night? If he saw a prowler. If he to... saw a prowler, he'd
5: have a fit. Hmm.
8: Lammy Fink. That idle brain wouldn't stay in the City of the Dead after dark for anything on earth. Well, to be honest about it, Mayor, it looks to me like the kids are telling the truth. In the morning, we'd better feed them and send them on their way. And
5: have them go home and tell a long rigmarole about auto bandits and hysterical men and phantom church bells and us locking them up for the night? Well,
8: you can't keep them locked up indefinitely. Better turn them loose before any more harm's done. Mighty funny they should show up right at this time. Looks queer to me.
5: Somebody's been monkeying around in the City of the Dead for the last week. Then we up and catch a couple. Don't seem natural to me that they
8: should be innocent. Well, then I lied to him about the telephone. That's something else for him to talk about. Guy's sake,
5: Stock. If they went to the police with all that, the city of the dead would be run over with police and thrill hunters for weeks. I ain't gonna have it. What's this? Look it's here. Man's cap. Yes, it's a cap, all right. Recognize it?
8: Ah. Yes. You don't say, Mary.
5: Yes, belongs to Lamy Fink.
8: Hmm. Don't tell much, might have left it here yesterday while he was working. No, he didn't. I was
5: by this way after he left last night. wasn't here then and anyway he was he was working down at the other end of the city, and again, I seen him when he left after work, and he had it on his head then. <laughs>
8: Well, those are three pretty definite reasons to make us believe that Lammy Fink isn't so afraid of the City of the Dead after dark as you thought. Mm. Likewise, it rather indicates that Lammy was down here tonight. I know Lammy. He wasn't down here. Not if he could help it, he wasn't. You're a stubborn fellow, Mayor. You deny their church bells even when you hear them. Now you intimate that a man's cap has arrived on the scene without reason or assistance. Well, things ain't like they should be, Doc. Something's the
5: matter. Somebody's desecrating the City of the Dead.
8: Well, the thing to do is to question Lammy tomorrow. sweet wait. Listen. church bell again. Say, I'm beginning to think you're right about investigating that old church. I'll get down with you tomorrow. I ain't gonna wait till tomorrow. I'm going down there now. Oh, come now, Mayor. It's getting foggier in the deuce. You won't be able to see anything. Going anyway. If there's anything there, I'll see it. Oh, what's the use of chasing phantom church bells this time of night?
5: Don't come if you don't want to. I'm going. Well,
8: if you're going, I might as well go, too. <laughs> You ain't fidgety at your age, are you, Doc? Who, me? Blamed old fool. Come on. It. Can't see a blame thing.
5: You got a flashlight, Doc. Always carry one. Hmm,
8: Dilapidated old ruins. Should have been torn down long ago. Come on, I'll lead. And look out where you step. Every board's full of rottenness. Floor's liable to collapse and let you through. I ought to know that. Been in here often enough. Hey, what in trunk is that? Oh,
5: nothing. Nothing but the rafters creaking. Can't you feel the whole building sway when the wind blows? It's
8: that old. And mm, your whole shebang's likely to crash down on us. I don't reckon so. Keep quiet. What the deuce for? You don't expect to run anything into anything here, do you? Most folks have better sense than to risk their neck in this kind of a place.
5: If a bell rung, somebody rung it. But you said
8: there wasn't any bell. Mm-hmm. Last time I was in here is when we buried old man Burton. He was born ten years back. Do you remember old man Burton, Mayor? Yeah. Yeah, walk down this very aisle behind his coffin. Oh, Lordy, mighty mayor. Yeah, uh, just a screech owl, Doc. That's to blame this noise. Shh, hold it. I told you we should have waited till morning.
5: Ah, uh, it ain't nothing. Come on.
8: Where are you going now?
5: We're going to climb up this here ladder
8: into the belfry. No, we're not. I am? Like as not, one of the rungs will give way and you'll break your neck. I'm going to chance it. Yeah, then let me go first. No. This here's my funeral. Now yeah, be careful, Mayor. Listen to those rung squeaks under your weight. Yeah.
5: yeah, a little hold, I guess.
8: Are you coming? Yes, of course. Hold that light down here so I can see what I'm doing. All right. right behind you. All right, Doc. You wait for me at the top of the ladder. Yeah. If anything doing? I might as well be in on it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Doc. Yeah. Except
5: for a bad case of goose pimples. Now, I'm going to turn on the flashlight. Better crouch down in case there should be anything. I'm crouched. Mm -hmm. Look out! Look out! What's the matter? Didn't you see it? See what? Whatever made that noise. (laughs) (laughs) There was pigeons. Scared the pie out of it. And I
8: saw a shape, shadows.
5: Yeah, just a pigeon flying around. I
8: don't believe it. I saw something big. Oh. No. Yeah, well, where is it then?
5: Couldn't have gone down the ladder. Couldn't
8: have jumped out of the belfry without busting its neck. Yeah, have your own way. Anyway, there isn't any bell up here. Exactly like I told you. So, you see, we had all this monkey business for nothing. You satisfied, now? I heard a bell tonight. And of course you did. So did I.
5: Mayor, well, where did it come from? There ain't no other buildings around for 20 miles.
8: Mm, looks to me like you've deepened your mystery rather than solved it. Yeah. Look, look.
5: Cobwebs all over the place. Ain't nobody else been up
8: here for years. Anybody could tell that. Hey, Mayor, let's go back to the house to do our cogitating. I'm huh? not what you'd call comfortable perched up here in this old belfry.
5: Yeah, reckon we might as well go down.
8: Yeah. Yeah. Glad that's over. I'd make a blamed poor monkey at my age. Come along. Now, where do you think you're going?
5: Well, as long as I'm here, might as well look over
8: the whole place. Mm, you're sure anxious to break a leg. You feel how springy these floorboards are? we we'll Liable to give away any minute. We'll take a look behind the altar. Mm-hmm. What's back there?
5: Well, it used to be the preacher's study. It was never used, though, after the old bell ringer committed
8: suicide in there. By Jove, Mayor, I'd forgotten about that. Old Sammy Martin. Hanged himself, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, locked the study off and never used it after that. Of course I remember now. Fifteen years ago, if it was a day. It ain't
5: locked no more, I don't reckon.
8: Look here, Mary. I'm not so certain I like this. Like what? Well, we've got a dead bell ringer. Yeah? No, we've got a phantom bell. You think there's any connection? No. You? I hope not.
5: Who ever heard of a doctor being scared
8: of ghosts? Mm, I don't recollect saying anything about being frightened. I'm just putting two and two together. Ah, Mayor, ah, where, where, ah, where are you? Ah, Where's the light? Ah, are you hurt? Oh, oh,
5: no, I'm, I'm all right. I just broke through the floor and oh, mm, you're hurt.
8: You, uh, have you got the light?
5: No. I no, just just give my shin blast this rotten place. But the light. Yes. yes. There it is. I hung on to
8: it. My soul. What was that
5: it come from the study? Didn't it? Y-
8: yes, it sounded so. Shh.
5: Honey. Oh, that, that's only.
8: It's only the rafters here,
5: here. Help me pull my leg out of this dang hole. Well,
8: wait a minute until I turn on the light. No,
5: no, 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 no. Leave it off. I'll sneak up on the study.
8: What do you mean, sneak up?
5: Here, give me your hand.
8: There you are. Look here, Mayor. I've had enough for one night. I'm gonna see what made that noise. No fat chance of sneaking up on anything after the crash you made when you fell. We'll sneak up to the door and throw it open. Yeah, and get shot for our trouble. No, no, we won't. Be lying flat on the floor. Yeah. Yes. Then we'll wriggle into the room. Now, listen, I'm no snake. Then we'll wait until we hear a noise. You're crazy, Mayor.
5: Yes, maybe so. Anyway, as soon as we hear a noise, we'll flash on the light and nab whoever's there. Hmm, Just as easy as that. Come on, now. Don't make a sound. Here's the door. Lie down flat. Right in front of the door? Yes, Swings in. I'm right alongside you. Well, who's going to open the door? I am. I've unlatched it. All I got to do is give it a push.
8: Well, push. No!
2: Oh, what the, ow!
8: Ow! <laughs> Oh, great jump and seizure. What, what was that, Doc? Oh, I don't know, but whatever it was, it ran the full length of me. Stepped on you? Stepped on me and dang near ground me into the floor. Stepped smack on my head. Are you hurt? Well, I don't feel any too good.
5: Can you walk? Oh, of course. Well, well our ghost oh. seems to have gotten away. Turn on the light. Let's get into the room and look around. Yeah, I could do with some
8: light. There. Mayor, I haven't told you the worst yet. Huh? The worst? Eh? Yes, the worst. Mayor, whoever it was that ran over me didn't have shoes on. Look where his nails scratched my face. Oh, gosh almighty, Doc. Wasn't it a man?
5: Well, i tell you he was barefooted if it was. Gee, rushy. It'd take claws to make scratches like that. Here, here, tie your face up with this, this handkerchief. It's bleeding.
8: Mm-hmm. Hope you're satisfied. Now,
5: just a minute, just a minute. I want to look around this study.
8: Give me the flashlight. No limit to your curiosity. There it is again. Whatever it is, it's hanging about outside. Look. Look there, Doc. It's a bell rope.
5: Bell rope? Yes, see it? That claw-footed man or whatever it is has been ringing the bell from in here. Look. Look where it disappears through the ceiling. Hmm, It's a new rope. Mayor, what are you doing? I'm gonna ring that dang bell. Now,
8: you want to prove to yourself that there is a bell, huh? Yeah, of course there's a bell. I always knew there was. Well, go ahead, pull it. My face hurts. I'll
5: give it a yank that'll pull the whole contraption down.
8: Well, pull. Pull. Yeah,
5: here goes. (laughs) Mayor! Mayor! He's shot. It wasn't a bell, it was a trap.
4: just heard the opening episode of The City of the Dead, especially written and produced for your sponsor by Carlton E. Morse. What is this clawfoot thing? What is the meaning of the phantom church bell? Why are Jimmy and Phyllis held prisoners? And finally, who shot Mayor Friday? And how and why? The mystery grows deeper and creepier next week with chapter two entitled, I've Dug Up Something Ghastly.